going on everybody welcome back to episode four of the group chat podcast i'm your host matthew banghart i got my good friend zach down in lincoln ohio zach say what's up to everyone out there i'm back he's back yes last week he had a hiatus again we talked about baseball zach has admitted many many times to <laughs> whatever name we have for any podcast he has admitted baseball is not his strong point no yeah so um we will have this from time to time. We're also looking to get some of our special guests, which um, Join we us. named this podcast after our friend group chat, pretty much, because we have a very, very, very um, lengthy, <laughs> very um, active. intense, uh, it's been out for a while, group chat that we have with our good friends. So I want to bring some of those guys on here because that's the inspiration for this podcast as well as other people throughout, you know, when, when we start getting this up here, we're going to try to bring people on for interviews and, and stuff like that. But, you know, so Zach might not always be here. And there's going to be some times later, once the movie scene kicks back up, yeah. that Zach's going to do some of his own stuff that you won't see me on. So it's going to be a very uh, organic, I, I don't know why I say organic all the time, Zach. It's going to be a weird, we're going to have a dynamic where it's not always just me, Zach, talking. We're going to have other people on. It could be just me. It could be just him. He could be on with another guy. It's all gravy. I think it's going to be cool. I think that's why I like this idea. And if at any time, I think we said it before, anybody wants to jump on something you want to talk about, hit us up on the Facebook group or on Twitter. And yeah, I, again, I, I love and am pumped for some new movies. Just checked out uh, Godzilla and Kong. You want to talk about that? Let me know. I'll jump on here and talk 20 minutes about that damn movie or any damn movie you want to talk about. Yeah, Zach like, is a movie buff, man. I, I, I give it to him on that one. Like he, he'll watch a lot, a lot, a lot of movies. He watches a lot of movies that I won't even touch with a 10-foot pole. pole and that's, oh, yeah. that's, not even, that's not even always scary movies. I mean, it could be a movie that looks scary. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. And Zach's like, no, it's not scary at all. And I'm like, yeah, chill. It looked scary. So I'm done and with that And if anybody one. wants to uh, jump on here in a couple weeks and talk a little, uh, get over here, Mortal hey, Kombat, let me know. I'll be on We're that on Mortal Kombat, Kombat thing. I'm, a, I'm watching that day one. Like I watch, I'm watching that day one. Mortal Kombat is one of my favorite video games was one of my favorite movie was it they had two movies that came out mortal kombat mortal kombat annihilation so good so so good have you caught uh falcon and winter soldier yet i have love it love it it's so much better than i thought it'd be i also am not a great movie reviewer and zach can attest to this because legit everything's awesome when i watch (laughs) it like i i have literally like I, I don't have, I'm not a critic when it comes to that kind of stuff. I have very low expectations for my movie going experience. So I rarely, and Zach can attest this because I, I mean, it's in our group chat. We talk about this all. I rarely hate any movie out there un- unless it's scary. If it's scary, I'm done. No, thank you. I almost cussed. That's how much I hate scary movies. Well, so I'm the person, I love the fantasy aspect of the superhero of Marvel and everything. And no. when they announced Falcon and Winter Soldier, First of all, I love Anthony Mackie, amazing actor. Was the he was the only, really the only reason I actually had interest because it's kind of like the whole uh, um, Black Widow movie coming out. Mm-hmm. It's like the spy aspect of things. I don't know that I love as much as the supernatural fantasy superhero side. So I wasn't as excited about Falcon and Winter Soldier as I was WandaVision, and it's blown me away. It's been so good, so good, so good, so good. That Wand, yeah, WandaVision was really good. Uh, I think the, I've seen a couple of the Loki trailers that look pretty interesting as well. 
I mean, the, 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 anything you put Marvel on it, I'm, I'm in. Although, like, I, I've actually caught myself because I'm actually watching this last episode. So if you haven't watched episode three, three. Was it, this, if you yeah, haven't watched totally. episode three, you know, kind of mute us out right now. But they brought the lady back from um, the first original um, Captain America, excuse me, Captain America, the, 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 the niece of Peggy yeah. Carter. And Karen so Brown. I kind of kept my, I was catching myself going like, well, she's on a couple different TV shows that I haven't watched yet. So I kind of think I want to get into that because, you know, you have the Agent Carter, you have S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. I think I got into S.H.I.E.L.D. for maybe four or five episodes, but then life caught up and you have, you know, I, there's so much stuff out there that me and Macy, my wife, Macy, we have watched maybe seven, eight episodes of or 10 or three seasons of, and then we just dropped it all together because, well, life hits it. So that would well, be interesting to get I'm back gonna, into that. I'm going to say about TV shows is some things you just watch for nostalgia. I don't know if you've caught it yet, but they've had two episodes so far of the Mighty Ducks TV show. Love I'm going to tell you right now, it's not that great, but I, I'm enjoying it. Um, you better watch your mouth. I oh, you, love you're it. it. Okay. I okay. love it. It's Honestly, okay. I can't wait to watch it. It's it's terrible. You, know, you have Amelia Estevez with all of his cheek implants that he has in there, <laughs> eating eating cake the whole time. You know, I, Also kind of a reference to the old school cake eater is a like a funny little thing back in the day that used to say i think i don't know if that's what they went for there but that's how i took it so that's exactly the way that i'm gonna think of it that way no i absolutely love that i I think disney plus what they've put out on the tv show wise has been fantastic you know netflix has some stuff coming out soon hbo max again with mortal kombat coming out but they also have some other good movies and tv shows that are kind of coming on there I'll tell you real quick, while we're talking about TV shows, I know we went into this whole random sporadic thing with TV and movies. Guess what I just started watching back up? Started with season one a couple days ago, already through season one and half of season two. I'm watching Entourage from start to finish again. All right. Okay. I have, well, it doesn't matter now because of HBO Max, but I, I actually own every one of those DVDs. And I always look at it like, if Michelle's like, let's watch a movie. And I'm like looking through all of our like DVDs and stuff because we couldn't find anything on Netflix or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I, I have not watched this in forever. And she's like, they just take up space. Once I've been with you for five years, you've never watched these things once. And I was like, one day I'm going to watch them again because it's fantastic. Absolutely. Everything like I, I, I am legit them. obsessed with it right now. I've been watching it every night uh, while Macy's went to bed. I've been watching it every night going crazy over it. So yeah, we're, we're, again, we'll, we'll talk more about uh, TV shows and movies and everything like that going here in the future. Zach is, again, very, very big on that. So if you have any TV shows out there or movies that you want us to watch, let yeah, us know. Get to our Facebook channel or get to our Facebook page. Let us know in the description of this podcast, too. Also, you know, if you are listening and like I say, Apple Podcasts, why don't you give us a, uh, a rating? So that way, you know, let, let us know what you th- think about it in that rating of our show. That way we can get some positive feedback and move forward, moving forward. Only if it's a five star. If you don't think we're a five star, then don't leave a rating because I don't want that as a joke. Haha. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, as a joke. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about sports, Zach. Let's. Um, yeah, college basketball. I mean, college we basketball. So, the last time we did a podcast, a we picked our tournament bracket and it didn't go that well. No, everyone's tournament bracket, bracket didn't go that well. So, I'm not going to feel too, too bad. But we had some. Pl- I remember we pretty much ignored the Texas Abilene Christian game, the Ohio State Oral Roberts game. Um, 
Yeah, we, we ignored quite a bit of games saying, oh, there's no way they're going to lose. And I'll well, they you, well, no, actually, if you remember, I put I told you I was putting Texas, Texas. in my final four. However, Texas would be a, could be a Missouri, and yes. it happened. It, I, I, and it happened. <laughs> and, and you know what? I, you know, I, I, I should have done a little bit more research on Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts is one of those teams that um, – they gave Arkansas the game of their life, and after beating Florida, they they had a chance to be an elite eight team. I, I think you know we look back at it and we look at who they had. They have an the uh, you know an all star world point guard, and they had a big man that can shoot. And those teams, if they if they're shooting the ball well, I, Oral Roberts could lose right now. They could play Ohio State right now and lose by fifty. They very well could. Yeah. But they for that two week stretch, they're one of the best teams in the country. Great for them. As an Ohio State fan, as as uh, Zach can see that I have, you know, an Ohio State flag right up here. I was desperate. It was a heartbreak here. You know, you waited two years for this thing to come back, and then the first, the third, what, the third game of the tournament ends in a heartbreak. And I was like, yeah. man, I don't even want to watch this anymore. Of course, that didn't happen. I watched. I was a junkie. I was watching it all the time. Yeah. So. You know, we, 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 as our bracket for our show, we didn't do well. I, I, I didn't do well in any of my brackets, let alone. I mean, who, who saw UCLA doing what they did? Honestly, they were a team. If you guys remember, look back a couple weeks ago, playing game. We were on, we were doing this show as the playing games yeah. are going on. Yeah. The last time that yeah. Zach was on. And we had an opportunity to pick UCLA and Michigan State. And we kept on saying Michigan State, Michigan State, Michigan State. Michigan State was up eight with like three minutes left in the game and lost that game. Yep. UCLA would be – wouldn't have anything, all this hype surrounding them, which I'm glad they didn't because the team played great. Mick Cronin deserves yep. everything. He brought that rugged East Coast-style basketball to the West Coast where they play a little bit more, you know, up and down. Let's get some offense. Let's, like, you know, put the ball in the basket. He brought that defense, rugged, tough, and uh, obviously Johnny Juzang was putting the ball in the basket like crazy for UCLA. That was a the surprise of the tournament for me. I agree completely, and I think one thing that's crazy is just the inconsistency of some other teams. Is like you look back, and you know we can't talk about college basketball without me bringing up Maryland. Mm-hmm. But you look at Maryland and Alabama. If Alabama even shoots partly like they did against Maryland against UCLA, they do, they they beat UCLA by 15. Like there, it's just a matter of you, the consistency of teams because Alabama looked like the best team in the world against Maryland shooting lights, lights out. out. And then UCLA playing against UCLA, they missed more than half of their shots. But you, I don't, I'm not taking anything away from UCLA. They, I mean, their run was phenomenal. And I mean, they needed what, I mean, they lost based off of a half court shot. Well, you, yeah, you, but you don't know if that if they, they win in double overtime. I was actually pulling for it, and we'll talk about that here in a second. I just wanted to talk about the Big Ten because we are resident Big Ten. Um, Big we, Ten we know all, we, we're experts when it comes to the Big Ten basketball. Clearly not. Well, I think we are. Um, we know we we didn't know that they were going to stink it up the way that they did <laughs> with Michigan. Again, Michigan against UCLA had a chance to beat UCLA to go to the Final Four, and they should have. It was a terrible yeah. game, but the defense that the UCLA brought in that game, 52-51, beating Michigan. I don't understand how Michigan, um, their last four possessions, there was awful basketball by Michigan. Three air balls, three air balls, and then then to bail them out almost, 
Franz Wagner, Wagner, Wagner. I can't, Wagner, Wagner. I have to get my inner German out there. Banks won and almost banks it off for a three to win the game against them. It was a weird ending to a game that Michigan, I, I think they were the better team, but obviously in that moment of that game, UCLA proved it. They hit the clutch shots. They played the best defense. Congratulations to them. We could we could toot UCLA's horn the whole time and the Pac-12 for that matter. We can pack. We can general. What a, what a great great tournament for the Pac-12. I look back at the Big Ten performance and it reminds me. And I don't know if you remember this, Zach, because I think you were a part of you guys were a part of the ACC, so you guys wouldn't even have known this either. I'm sorry, but the Big East of 2000, I think it was 2011 Big East, where they got 11 teams in the tournament. 10 of them lost in the first two rounds. And what I think happens is when you have a such a, such a slaughter fest the whole year where you guys are beating up on each other and, and, and you get to this tournament and I think it'll go one of two ways that, that, that rough tumble side beating each other. The, here's the thing, Zach, every single game mattered in the big 10 play of the regular season. So these guys have been mentally just, they, they didn't have any of those games where you could take a game off against a bad team because even the worst teams in the Big Ten, like Nebraska, proved that if you don't take them seriously, they can beat you. Yeah, and so sure. they were mentally – and then, again, they went to Indianapolis early. They were there for three weeks. So I think mentally they weren't there. And I'm trying to make up excuses. Yeah, but there's something to that. And I think when you beat each other up the whole time, it can go one of two ways. That either prepares you and you go and you can play this rough, stump, rough, rough and tumble style of basketball – or what happened with the Big Ten this year is that I think they were just – I think they were exhausted. I think a lot of these guys were just – they just didn't have it in this COVID season. And I don't want to make excuses because all these other teams had to go through the same thing. But I think the Big Ten was different this year. To discredit the conference for what they had done all year is irresponsible because I think that they still were the best basketball conference this year by not bar none. Well, I think one of the issues and something that some people have brought up about the Big Ten is once they get into the tournament – is and you may disagree with this but it's something that I actually believe when you look around at most teams uh what did the Big Ten have this year they had bigs and they Mm -hmm. had some shooters Big Ten lacks athletes and they really do I mean they they lack dynamic athletes like a Baylor or an Alabama has their name a Big Ten team that really has true top to bottom and they're starting five like an athletic team that can both run the court um is athletic from uh, top to bottom and can also shoot. And I can't think of anybody that falls into that. You fall a lot of your big 10 Midwest teams. You got your shooters and you got some big men down low. You have your Iowa. That's similar to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't even say Illinois because I mean, let's be real here as as talented as Kofi is. He's not incredibly athletic. And you know what I mean when I say athletic, because clearly I, I, I'm a fat guy over here talking like all of these guys are athletic. But mm-hmm. I'm talking like truly like a Baylor. You put Baylor up against most of these Big Ten teams on a, in a one game, they're winning every time. And it, yeah. it comes down to athletes on that side. I, I see. I know. It's, I know what you are saying, and I do agree to you to an extent. Like I, I think that you know your Ohio State, your I, your your Illinois, your Michigan. Um, I think Michigan State athletically, I don't think they were outmatched athletically a lot. I mean, I think Ohio State's big problem is they were undersized and they couldn't rebound the ball and they kept giving up threes against Oral Roberts. So that's something that we'll talk about here. In the Well, U- I think that Ohio State's problem was they went as uh, 
as Washington went shooting, in my opinion, and he was absolutely awful. Cold. Yeah, they were cold. They were cold. And and yep. Kyle Young being being missed was a is a huge service to them because you want to talk about a guy that's athletic as a big. That's one of the better athletic bigs in the country in yep. the conference for sure. But no, I get what you're saying. Like no, Baylor was a special athletic. Like they were special. They showed it. We can just let's go into the foreshadowing of that the national championship game in the final four. But we'll start with the national championship game since you brought Baylor up. Is that they showed during that that weekend this last weekend that they were by far the best team in the country. And it was really not even close. And I don't know if you play that game 10 more times, like you were talking about that Gonzaga, maybe Gonzaga gets them a few times because they were really good as well. But it just showed that against Houston, a good athletic team in Houston that can shoot, that can rebound. They, they, they did a lot of things really well. I remember telling people here, our first podcast, when we were talking about college basketball, watch out for Houston. That team is really good. Um, I went on a limb there because, you know, a top 10 team, I'm saying they're really good. What? Wow. I'm such an expert over here. But you saw it with Baylor, man, that dynamic backcourt and Donovan Mitchell, he was outstanding. And then they had a lot of bigs that were not super tall. They didn't have any, they didn't have any like down low that you would sit back and go like, oh my God, that guy's like a bona fide center. But they had guys that worked and got a lot of rebounds for this team on a lot of missed shots because Baylor didn't shoot the ball particularly great in any two of those games. If they didn't make the, if they didn't make the shot, I felt like they were getting offensive rebound. They off, I think their one guy had ten offensive rebounds in the national championship game, or eight. It's absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous amount of offensive rebounds. And the game started off with, um, I don't know. There if you was a point it. where they said that Baylor had ten off, ten rebounds, and ten of them they they were all offensive. Yeah, and I'm like, how is that even possible? Because yeah, that because well, and Gonzaga kept turning the ball over, but but what what I saw the first three possessions of the game was. Baylor locked up defensively better than I thought that they can even play defense. They were so they they blew me away with their athleticism defensively, and then on the offensive end, they were faster. They got to their they got to the parts of the court that they wanted to get to and get the shots they wanted to. And if those mm-hmm. shots didn't go in, they had guys that went up and got the ball. They wanted it more on top of just being so athletically gifted. You know, I saw them. I, you know what? I think what Baylor did, and it, it made it messed with my mind when we were picking for our bracket and for my bracket. No, let's not say this. I I had Baylor going to the Final Four in every bracket I picked. I just didn't have them winning in any of the games in the Final Four because I had Illinois. Good job, Illinois. But I had them. You know, beating. I I think I did a disservice to myself with Baylor when I didn't. I watched them right after their when they got back from their COVID break. And I think that really did something to me because you, you see this with a few teams. You saw a Kansas in the NCAA tournament, a team that was very good that got blown out the water when they played a team that was up to their standard, even though even in the first round game, they didn't really blow you away. But these teams in Virginia that were going through COVID, they're just coming off the COVID. Um, it really hurt them to not get that practice, to not stay, they, you know, they got out of shape because they weren't practicing as much, not out of shape. You know, I mean, I'm out of shape. I'm a fat dude, just like you said, in Columbus, Ohio. But they got out of basketball shape because they had to sit so much. And then some of the kids that are coming off the COVID, I mean, I I, I can't sit here and say I have ever had it, but I can only imagine trying to do something after that. I, that's what really killed me. So I watched Baylor at the wrong time. And I said, they're good. I didn't see anything special. Well, they proved me wrong by a lot because I was in a, a, as bad as a national championship game that I think we could have could have wanted for after what happened Saturday night between UCLA and Gonzaga. 
Well, before you get to that, so there, it was probably right before Baylor was hit with their COVID issue. There was a point in the season that I, I maybe even said in our group chat, this is easily Gonzaga and Baylor and the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. And maybe Michigan, maybe Michigan, but this is clearly Baylor, Gonzaga, and everyone else. And then Illinois came in and won the Big Ten tournament. And my Big Ten bias completely, like, I just took over. Yep. It completely took over. I I didn't even have Baylor in the Final Four. I had them losing to Arkansas. And oh, wow. I, I, I look back at it now, and I'm like, I went completely against everything that I ever had even said. And I also, I'm that person that finds it hard to believe that it's going to end up being the two best teams in the country at the end of the day because very rarely does it play out that way. Yep. So I very rarely put my brackets that way, but it was, and it should have always been. I mean, it was always Gonzaga and Baylor. I mean, it's Uh, been that way since week one. They were the the number one and number two teams in the AP poll coming into this season, and they didn't disappoint. Uh, Just to wrap up. Also that Baylor became just, I think, the fifth school in all of college basketball to have both at least one men's and women's title. That's awesome. Good for them. You know what? Real quick, Maryland, one of them. Yes, let's talk and let's talk about the women's tournament real quick. I don't know if you watched it. We'll just talk a quick segue on this. What a final four on the women's tournament! I don't know if you how much of the final four you watched. Um, Macy, my wife, was out of town, so I watched a ton because I've I had the two TV setup going on, so there was always sports on at my house, especially when when Macy's gone. I I get as many TVs as possible on sports. <laughs> and I I was throwing I was watching the Arizona team that came out of nowhere to go to the final four and not only come go yeah. to the final four but get to a championship game. First off, the game between um Stanford and South Carolina in the final four where the the um one girl, the one girl from uh South Carolina had a bunny to win the game and it hit off the back rim, something that she probably shot a hundred times in her life. And she'd make 99 of them missed it in that, uh, that's uh, that point time. And then that went enabled Stanford to go on to the championship game to face Arizona who goes out and beats UConn. Anytime you beat UConn, it's an upset. Um, Paige Beckers was phenomenal for UConn during this whole turn. I was blown away with the final four of how good the basketball was. And I'm not trying to sit here and, trying to watch what I'm saying because I I respect because I used to work for the WNBA so I I, I respect and I worked for the Pennsylvania Rebellion softball team so I I've, I've worked in women's sports and I truly know the the athleticness of all these uh, young ladies I, I was just blown away how good the games were because a lot of times you watch this stuff and UConn over the past couple of years always blowing teams out it's kind of boring phenomenal final four I just wanted to give them a shout because that was a great final four so just so that we can get off of that Gonzaga can't get over the hump. I don't know what else to do with Gonzaga. I did, since you brought up uh, women's basketball, I did want to say something real quick. What's up? And and I guess in regards somewhat to players like Paige, how do you pronounce her last name? Beckers. Beckers. So I didn't know this until recently because I was reading something about her. I didn't know that uh, college basketball for the women you have to do a full four years of college basketball to go to the WNBA. And that is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I think you have to be 22 years old to be a WNBA player. Because you watch these players like her specifically, 
has no business. St- I mean, she should go pro now, and she yeah. can't. It's ridiculous. It's, it's the same thing that I don't know if you remember Brianna Stewart, who was the right before with UConn with her. She got in right after. She had to play four years. She could have been a WNBA superstar in high school. She's that good. It's sure. absolutely terrible. And I know they're talking about reforming those rules and having them be able to do that. But yeah, there's some. There are some young ladies that de- definitely deserve to be pro basketball players instead of playing in the college system. And I don't know if that's what they want to do. It's always, you always find it hilarious when like the guys, then they, they, they bring up like, Oh, the graduation weight for the women are so much higher than the men. Well, yeah, because they have to graduate. They have to play four years. Yeah. It's ridiculous for me, but did that's I, the, did I see correctly? Did she uh, and Jalen Suggs go to the same high school? They are from the same area. I'm not exactly sure if they okay. went to the exact same high school. I know they're that from- would have been a hell of a high school to go to. <laughs> I want to say I want to say that they're either they they're they're very very close. I know they're very okay. very close. They're best friends. They're both from Minnesota, which also Minnesota producing two of the top basketball players for each for each gender is kind of crazy for me too. I, I believe they went to different schools, but I could be completely wrong because I didn't look into it. So we're going to put a bow as I'm, as Zach can see, I'm tying a bow right now on the, uh, that was a bad bow, by the way. That was a bad bow. So because, because you, it was such a bad bow and it's still open my last before it closes, (laughs) I'm going to say one more thing. Nice. And that in the UCLA Gonzaga game in those final minutes, that Suggs block that led to a half court bounce pass is wow. one of the greatest 10 yep. seconds of basketball I've ever witnessed. That that was amazing. It was a it was a clear layup for a guy, a big guy too. He may Clearly. have stepped out of bounds, but it was too hey. close to be able to tell. We don't we don't we don't talk about that. You don't, you don't say that. Um, Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, uh, yeah, that whole that Suggs played that game. The whole game that Suggs played that way was absolutely phenomenal. So let's just wrap a bow on the uh, college basketball. We've talked a lot of college basketball since we started doing this because, well, we started it in March. So get over it. So we're going to move on. We've kind of ignored the NFL for a little bit. And there's been a lot that's gone on in the past month. Trust me, with the amount of football we end up talking about during football season, you don't want to hear us talk about it now. Well, yeah, but we're going to talk about a lot of football now because the draft's coming up and the, the free agency, a lot of trades. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk about some of the bigger headlines, maybe uh, talk about, you know, some of the, like a lot of free agency. Let's talk about some free agency, but there has been a, quite a bit of trades that have happened pre-draft. You don't usually see this that much, Zach, where there's this much movement this far out. We're usually, you know, a couple, maybe like two, three weeks away, we start seeing a lot of these trades pop up. But we had a day out of the randomness of all days. It was like a random Tuesday in March where the Miami Dolphins, the San Francisco 49ers, and the um, Philadelphia uh, Eagles decided that they just wanted to play trade merry-go-round and just start (laughs) trading all this stuff and trading picks. So let's talk about these trades. So Miami had the sixth pick. And they decided to trade back to the 12th pick. Mm-hmm. Then 49ers jumped up to the third pick. Philly dropped back. Then then Philly and Miami made a deal. And they just – actually, it wasn't. Miami went to the third. I don't even know anymore, dude. It is crazy. <laughs> I know someone had the third pick. Someone had the sixth pick. Someone had yeah. the 12th pick. Now the Niners have the third pick. And they're looking that they're going to look – they're looking to draft a quarterback, which they have Jimmy Garoppolo. And I don't know why, I, unless they're just not sold on him. Like, why would you be going and reaching up for that? You have to go quarterback at three, especially when you give up the draft not, capital that they did. 
you absolutely have to be going quarterback at three. So, and they just signed, I mean, Garoppolo still has a lot of money on that contract still left. Philadelphia moved back from six to 12 because I think they're good with Jalen Hurts this year to see what he has. My thing, if you're the, if you're Philly is that at six, you could have got either Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith, something that they haven't had in like six years as a, a wide receiver that actually plays wide receiver. Like yeah. last year, their best wide receiver was Greg Ward Jr., who was a college quarterback at Houston. Like I, I thought that, I mean, maybe they think they're 12, that maybe like Kyle Pitts, I don't think he's going to last that or drop that far. Maybe they think uh, Jamar Chase or Devonta Freeman will, or Devonta, Devonta Smith, not Freeman. He's a running back that's already played in the league. Sorry. Um, Devonta Smith, I wonder if they think you're going to drop back to him. But then the, the, um, the big thing is Miami just got all these extra draft picks. They moved back to six, and they think that they're going to be in position to drive, draft Penny Sewell if they want, or one of those top-end wide receiver slash Kyle Pitts who will be a tight end slash wide receiver. Just an absolute gluttony of trades that's happened already on top of Sam Darnold getting traded to Carolina. I want to hear your thoughts on that one because, you know, I know you're not the biggest draft guy. Like, you're trying to talk about all these guys. I know for the Steelers, you can sit here and talk for an hour about what they should and shouldn't draft. But I understand, like, the beginning of the draft, like, it's not one of your ones that you like to do. But I know I you like trades. much more after about what happened than what yeah. I think is going to happen. Yes. You're, you're a reactionary guy when it comes to the yeah. draft. You're not proactively yeah. into the draft. I got you. Right. Sam Darnold I, trade, a second round in 2022, a sixth round this year. What are your thoughts on that trade for, for also for the Jets, who probably going quarterback? And then Carolina, who gets a very talented but yet underachieving Sam Darnold. So I am high on Sam Darnold. I don't think he is what a couple other of the quarterbacks that came out with him has been. Because he's with was he with Josh Allen? He's with Baker, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, okay. and Lamar Jackson. The five that was the, he was with the five first rounders. I still think that Sam Darnold is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. I think Sam Darnold got screwed. I think he's in a terrible organization. I think he's had nothing around him. His weapons, when when um, uh, uh, slot receiver, Jamison Crowder. When Crowder's your best wide receiver, and I mean, you know, if don't get me wrong, I love Jamison Crowder by the way, but I just think that he hasn't had anything anything in New York. And I think going to Carolina, he gets reunited with um, his boy uh, wide receiver that was in New York. That oh, just um, keep talking. I'll, I'll, I'll remember here in a second. So, and I think it's great. I think it's great for Darnold. I think it's good for Carolina who, I mean, Bridgewater wasn't bad, but I don't think he's an answer and it'll be interested to see what happens with him uh, moving forward. It's Ro- think- Robbie Anderson. Robbie. Um, yep. 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 But also he gets Curtis Samuel there who a guy, a nice little hybrid guy back and forth or no, he's gone. He's in Washington. Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah. Chris, but he does get Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. So he gets a reliable running game. He gets a, a blow-the-top off receiver. I forget who their slot guy is going to be there now. It's really annoying because uh, I was, wasn't was looking at the Carolina stuff. I forgot that Curtis Samuel went to Washington. They're in the same area. It just threw me off there. But I think I, I, I agree with what you say about Sam Darnold. I, I don't know right now. I've seen a lot of Sam Darnold. His decision-making is still very bad. Now, a lot of that could be because he doesn't have anyone to throw it to unless Jamison Crowder finds a way to get open in triple coverage. And their offensive line hasn't been the best. He had Adam Gase, who is legit the worst coach in the history of football. 
Honestly, I think I can, if you would have gave me the situation with Adam Gates there, I could have done a better job. I, I, I don't understand how that guy keeps getting jobs. He got, he, he rode, he rode Peyton Manning's coattails in uh, Denver when he was there during that MVP amazing season that Peyton Manning had. You're telling me that Adam Gase was the actual offensive coordinator, coach, and QB coach there when he was there? No, Peyton Manning was like, we're running this, 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 and that. And he, if you say no, I'll get you fired. And he's like, yes, here's your coffee, sir. That's what Adam Gase did there. Mm-hmm. He's an awful coach. But I do agree with you. I think Sam Darnold's extremely talented. And getting him in a better situation, I think Matt Rule, great coach there down in, uh, down in Carolina, he proved that he can get his boys, that team can play. They, they played some really yeah. good games last year when they were supposed to be a, a two and 14 team. They were in a lot of close games. Defensively, they're very good. So he's going to be able to ease himself into this. He doesn't have to be the superstar that he needed to be in the Jets for them to even compete. DJ Moore. DJ Moore. We completely forgot when we're talking Maryland, about bro. Receivers. DJ Moore. I mean, obviously a big. Uh, nice target over there. Absolutely. And I knew it was someone smaller. He's very, he's very Christian or Curtis Samuel like body type, but I couldn't yeah. remember exactly who that was, but he's a, a guy there with Anderson on the outside. And then they have some good pieces, you know, with Christian McCaffrey, if he can stay healthy and Mike, was it Mike Smith no, or, or Mike Davis, excuse me, Mike Davis, mm-hmm. their backup running back there. I, I like what Carolina brings. And if he's just this place within himself, if he doesn't see ghosts as he did when he played the New York pa- or the, the New England Patriots a few years ago, but if he stays within himself, I like the move. And you said uh, that the Jets got a second and a sixth. It's a it's a, it's a sixth round pick for this year mm-hmm. and a second rounder for next year. And I also I don't think the Jets. I think that's a decent for. I mean, the, they wanted more out of the market and it wasn't there. I would have probably expected more of a sixth and a third. But I think getting a second round pick next year isn't bad. And I'll have to check the, if there's any conditions labeled to that second round pick. And I'll, I'll, I'll um, have that information for obviously when I do the draft, my, our draft shows here coming up pretty soon. I wonder if there's a condition, like if he plays a certain amount of snaps, that first becomes, or that second becomes a first, very similar to the, the Carson Wentz move to Indy. Mm-hmm. Like if he plays enough, enough time out there that, he, that that second becomes a first round pick. Yeah. So a lot of big trades, but also Zach, a lot of free agent movement. So I, I've been writing down my thoughts and Zach can see our pod document that I put out there. And I only sent him about a third of what I wrote down my thoughts and a lot of stuff that's happened. And I kind of characterize a few things. So Zach, I'm going to go over some stuff. I want you to, I'm going to say some questions. If you have answers, go right ahead. If not, you can just say, Matt, keep talking. And I'll do that. Cause you know, I can. So I'm going to tell you a few teams. I thought that did very well this free agency period. Now that we've had a chance to digest, see what these teams have done in the trade market and kind of go like, all right, cool. I think I really like this team's roster. I think the Giants did very well in getting Kenny Galladay and uh, Kyle Rudolph. Now, I, I'm not a big fan of Kelly, Kenny Galladay's overall talent. I just think in that situation where you're going to be welcoming him, Saquon Barkley back. So Danny Dimes now has a big-time out receiver that can go get the ball when he throws it up because he's going to have to throw it up a few times. He has a security blanket in uh, Kyle Rudolph to go along with Evan Ingram. So now Evan Ingram is not going to be quadruple teamed every time. And then you can ease back Saquon. I really like what the Giants did. I don't know if you have any thoughts on Kenny Galladay and Rudolph to the Giants. But to me, 
Now, does this scream that they're going to be a contender? No, but I think it's, if you're, this is what they did. They said, Danny Dimes, just like what they did with Baker a few years ago in Cleveland. We're going to put people there that are going to make your job easier. Now it's time for you to show it. Are you the franchise quarterback or are we going to have to go get somebody else? And this is why I like it. You're putting the onus now on a guy to go out there and be, who are you? Because that's what he's going to have to do. 2019 draft pick, you only get two, three years to prove who you are. If not, throw you aside. That's how it is mm-hmm. nowadays. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, that's a big one for me, the Giants. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. I love Kenny Galladay. Um, mm-hmm. He obviously was hurt off and on. But I, I'm a big Kenny Galladay fan, and I think that – I agree with you. I think he helps. And Evan Ingram is one of the more talented tight ends in the league – who has underperformed. I think they've underutilized him. I think, I mean, and this is from a fantasy view because I had him in a league, so I watched more Giants games. They they run them poor routes. They use them in weird ways instead of just getting the man downfield and getting him the ball. I think Galladay will help them use him more, which should be interesting. Kyle Rudolph is whatever to me. I don't really have a strong opinion there. The one thing I want to mention about Kenny Galladay that I love, love is – in a time, especially because of COVID and how they hold meetings and stuff, in a time where dudes were, like, choosing their team within hours without even seeing people, they were just like, oh, you're going to give me this much money? Cool, I'm in. Galladay did it, and he was like, I've never been a free agent. I want to go, and I want to see your facility. I want to see the coaching staff. I want to talk to you. I'm actually going to put myself into this decision and take took his time unlike some other people and I like that you don't see that a lot anymore just so to see the number one receiver because yeah he was definitely the top receiving option in free agency I believe yeah people can argue Juju I so okay I'm gonna ask you so you agree with that somebody I was looking at Pittsburgh media which we both know how that goes but and they were talking about how does Kenny Galladay get this type of deal and Juju can't I don't even think they're on the same level. I think Kenny Galladay is a significantly better wide receiver than Juju Smith-Schuster. Well, Juju Smith-Schuster also turned down, reportedly, now reportedly, turned down big offers to stay in Pittsburgh. Now, they weren't big offers, but they were a little bit more than what Pittsburgh offered. But and It's all reportive there. No, I, sure. I like Kenny Galladay. I, I, you know how much I've loved Juju Smith-Schuster, and I've told you much, how much I like him as a – as a wide receiver, I just don't think he's a bona fide number one. I think he's a great compliment. Like he's a, he's the best number two receiver in the league when you have a good number one. And I, but I also, and I love Juju. I'll tell you right now that two years ago, um, Michelle got me a stitched Juju color rush Jersey for our our anniversary. Mm -hmm. And I told her, I was like, I think he's leaving. Like we can put it, we can frame it and put it in the office, but like, I ain't, I'm not going to be able to wear it anymore. So when he decided to stay in Pittsburgh, I was pumped because it gave there me another, another couple, uh, year, at least another year with my Jersey. But I don't think, and I know we weren't going to talk, we're not going to stay on Pittsburgh very long, but I don't think that you need a true one when you have three twos, when you have Chase Deontay, who could be one if he catches every pass and Juju, and you have three elite twos, I think that you can make that work. Yes, and that's why I think – I mean, Juju's not the number one guy. He's not a 120-catch guy. I mean, there's not many of those, and I'm not trying to sit there. He needs to be that way because he's put up the numbers he's put up. 
that's because Pittsburgh also last year couldn't run the ball to save their life, so they had to throw the ball. So the numbers were a little bit bloated there. Um, no, I, I agree. 100% agree with you. I also think, like, like Chase does something different. He runs straight very good, and he can catch balls. And, and Juju is a great underneath guy. Deontay Johnson can kind of do both. He's like, he can be a Swiss army knife. He can run some streaks for you. He can run some goes. He can run some in routes. He can do both. I think they have a great wide receiver crew there. I think that's something that Pittsburgh prides themselves on of being the guys that produce good defensive people and good wide receivers. When James Washington is your fourth receiver and isn't seeing the field every down, you know, you have a good receiving court. James Washington, another guy that can run straight very well and he can catch and he can go up and get them too. And I, I, I you already remember, I told you how much of a big fan I was of James Washington back in the 2018 draft when they drafted him with uh, Mason Rudolph. Uh, so, yeah. So going back into the free agency, uh, Tampa Bay, I think they're winners because they signed everybody. They're the first team in the Super Bowl era to bring back every starter on offense and defense to go run back. Now, are they the team to beat in the NFC? I don't know. But you're not who is. You know, I I keep looking. I'm trying. I was just I was trying to say I I like I like the well, heck no. In the NFC, probably they're the best team. Yeah. Because I'm sitting there going like, oh, the Saints, but they've dropped off with Drew Brees out there. Carolina, in their own division, Carolina's meh. Who else is in that division? Why am I drawing a blank? You have the Saints, Carolina, huh? Atlanta. Atlanta, and they're they're on the downward slope there, too. In the East, you don't know what's going to happen in the East. The Central, I like Green Bay. I think Green Bay can still put themselves in that category as being a team that can compete. We all know it's not the Chicago Bears in the world. I'll get to that in a second. Not Minnesota. Minnesota, no. And out West, it's still kind of a, you know, the Rams look pretty good. Are they a team? Uh, that's a good point. The Rams adding Stafford. But they did lose a lot defensively, which will bring you to my next point. My next team that did very well are the Cleveland Rams. Oh, you know what, man? I hate it. I hate it. I don't even want to talk about it, but you're right. They added some things on defense to go with what should be an elite offense. It's it's yeah i'll let you talk but yeah. so no 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 we're not gonna talk too much about it because like again we can spend a lot of time on our teams and i'll always talk cleveland when it comes to like when we do football stuff because that's what i know and that's what i love and that's what i'll talk about and guess what it's our podcast so too bad you're gonna have to listen to it but when we talk about the cleveland rams which i'm doing as a joke but the cleveland browns used to be called at one point there was a team in cleveland called the cleveland rams so they went out and got uh, Troy Hill, and they went out and got John Johnson, both from um, the Rams, on super friendly team deals for the prices that I think that they could have afforded. Uh, they could have gone elsewhere and got a little bit more money, I do believe. Uh, man, they, they sure up their weakest part of their team outside of linebacker, which is still a little questionable what they want to do there. But they strengthened up the safety, which they had the worst safety in the history of the league, and Austin Sandejo out there. And then Troy Hill will be a very good – I still think he might be just – your. he'll be one of the best inside corners. He'll be a lot slot corner guy. Um, but he's from Youngstown. He's not – I don't think he's a big Browns fan growing up, but he's from Youngstown, went out to the West, with the, go to Oregon, and got drafted by the Rams. What a cool pickup for the Browns there. I like the Malik Jefferson signing, a defensive tackle. He just replaces Larry Okunjobi, who was due up for a contract. I, you know, do I really want, I wanted Okunjobi back, but Malik Jefferson will be just as good 
next to Sheldon uh, Richardson. And then they have your outside bookends. They still need to get another end. I think they're going to do that in the draft. But overall, I think Cleveland, for what they needed, got exactly done, got everything done that they did. And they, they spent wisely because they do know that, you know, you already took care of Miles Garrett. You got Baker Mayfield coming up that you you want to do with him. You also got Denzel Ward, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. You're going to have some people that you're going to have to pay here pretty soon. So they didn't want to go out and irresponsibly spend all this money and then put themselves in a position where they had to be cup casualties like the Rams had to. The Rams went out, put all this money in the people, and then their best, some of their best free agents, these two guys there, they had to let them go because they just couldn't afford them. Same way the Saints are going through right now. I mean, you see it with the Saints. They had nobody there. So it was really cool for Cleveland to do that. Um, I think they're one of the better teams in the free agency. I know, Zach, you agree with it, but I, you begrudgingly agree because now there's, a, there's finally a rivalry. We're going to have a rivalry again, like where it actually means something for when the Steelers and Browns play and the Steelers and Ravens play and the Browns and Ravens play. That's going to be a triangle of death that I am looking forward to watching this year. I will say that, uh, yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. I, I definitely agree. I think that going into last year, I did not think that the Browns were yet better than Pittsburgh. Uh, Roster-wise, they are now. There's no doubt about it. I will say, though, that the Steelers were in cap hell, and just like good organizations do, they did better than I expected with where they were in their cap. Yeah. Um, they Don't get me wrong. I mean, we lost a bunch of dudes on defense. And there was really nothing you could do about it. We knew Bud Dupree was most likely not going to be able to stay. I'm not upset. I think that Bud Dupree performed when he needed to, to prove that he was worth, to try to prove that he was worth money. It took him a while to even have a good year. I think that Alex Highsmith is going to, with a full camp uh, and non-COVID situation where he actually gets a full offseason after being drafted last year, I think Highsmith fills that role pretty well. I actually don't, I'm not upset about Dupree going to Tennessee. I think he's going to be over. I think he's overpaid. I think that they, I think he's good, but he's not what Tennessee paid for. Uh, So that brings me to my next one. There's a big move that I didn't like, and it was Bud Dupree. Yeah. Here's the thing. I knew you wanted to talk about that. So I, I did the little transition there. So here's the thing with Bud Dupree. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's getting overpaid. And um, who's going to be opposite of him? Like that's TJ Watt on that on that team. That's going to take up a lot of blocking assignments, so he can get free one on ones. Mm-hmm. I don't see it, and you saw it a lot with and here here and vice versa. You saw it a lot with TJ Watt when Bud Dupree wasn't there. They were able to roll the line a little bit more to TJ Watt, which nullified his effect. His total, he was still very good. Not not trying to sit here, and I, I think the Steelers outside linebackers because they're not defensive ends. Those outside linebackers. They are just straight pinch. Both of them just come off the line of scrimmage with reckless abandon. They don't have a lot of other responsibilities. I wonder if how Tennessee is going to employ that. I'm very interested to see it. I I do think that it was a heck of an overpayment there, but we'll see moving forward. I just a big move that I didn't like. Also something else I didn't like Zach every, so I wanted to give this out there. Everyone loved what the new England Patriots did, except me, apparently. They spent I, money. They spent a lot of money, which is – I think everyone liked it because they're not used to the, the to them spending as much money as they do or they did this year, okay? So mm-hmm. they went out and brought in Hunter Henry and Gianno Smith. 
I don't understand I don't the understand. idea of bringing in two tight ends like that. What is the point? Well, he, I think I think Belichick wants to run a lot of two tight end sets this year. He saw a lot with the Browns. The Browns ran a lot of two tight end sure, sets. Dude. You're seeing the two tight end set big now in the NFL because, and especially when you have guys like Jono Smith and Hunter Henry that are athletic enough to get out into the passing tree as well, but also good blocker. I I I I don't understand it with the money they paid. But I get, I can see where they're going there. Okay, I was like, okay, whatever. But then they brought in Aguilar and and Bourne, and I'm sitting. There, that's a waste of talent. If you have, if you're gonna have Cam Newton as your quarterback, sure. those guys are nullified. They got yeah. you know what both those two guys do really well. We're in straight fast, yeah. and can yeah. Cam with his arm hit them on these go and fly routes and post routes, these deep posts? Is he gonna be able to hit them? I don't know. You know, you saw it with Jacory Myers last year in those medium to underneath routes. Very good. Cam was able to hit those throws, but they didn't have any blown off the top. Now, maybe they didn't have the receiver, but I don't think Cam has the arm. And so that's another thing. They brought back Cam Newton. Was there anything better out there? I know Sam Darnold wasn't going to get traded to the Patriots. They weren't going to, the Jets weren't going to do that, of course. But I I thought there might be something out there that would, uh, you know, there's other other quarterbacks that had a chance to get out there. I, I just don't know if I like what they did offensively. And then, you bring in Matt Judon. I think they overpaid for him. I think he's an he's an average player. Now, will he get a little bit extra out of it because Belichick is really good defensively? Probably. But Matt Judon, to me, just his stats. I think he got paid too much for what they what he can offer. I do one thing I do like is I do like them getting Trent Brown, a guy, another a bookend tackle that can help him out. I think overall they did okay, but everyone was anointing this as the the Patriots offseason, how good they did and. I just think they did okay. I don't know about what your thoughts is on that, but that, that's his mind. Well, I'm currently looking up something real quick because I really would love to understand. Uh, give me a second here. You're fine. No, I, I, Johnny, me, I Johnny Smith just got a $31 million guarantee, right? Is yeah, that something like that? $31 yes. million dollar guarantee and has never had more than 35 catches in a season. Yeah. I know. All right, like Hunter Henry, sure, I get it. I like that. If you just bring Hunter Henry in. Jonu Smith is crazy. I mean, he filled in when Delaney Walker started getting hurt as he as his career started to go down mm-hmm. as he got older. And I'm just looking at these stats. In 2020, 32 catches, 358, seven touchdowns. Cool, seven touchdowns is nice. 2019, 35, 439, four, or three. Uh, 31 million guaranteed for that no thank you he's no. an athletic freak of nature and that's the one thing that he's getting paid okay. on but to me i just think the new england patriots did they have a good did they have a good offseason i think you can say that but to sit there and say they had the people are talking about how they had the best offseason they just spent a lot of money that's all it was well, and i think that was one of the things is like people you're caught off guard when a team yes. like them spends that kind of money so when they bring players in because they have money to spend it's like oh like, for example, next year, the Steelers have a ton of cap. Imagine a team like the Steelers that don't spend a ton of money just going buck wild in the first three hours of free agency. And that's exactly what they did. But I agree with you. I don't, I don't see anything that makes me go, oh, that's fantastic. They brought in mediocre receivers, overpaid for Johnny Smith. I, I agree with you. I actually like the receivers. I'm actually a fan of getting those two guys, considering the other receivers they have on their team. I just don't think they have the quarterback to add, to use those receivers. 
So I'll, I'll rapid fire through these last two. The best move that nobody's talking about to me is Kansas City getting Joe Thunny, um, offensive guard from the New England Patriots, one of the better guards in football, shoring up one of the weakest positions on this team. I know they lost some stuff on the offensive line, and I know they paid that guy $16 million a year to come in, but he's one of the best offensive guards in the league. I think it's a great signing because you saw the Super Bowl disaster with that offensive line. Now, again, a lot of that was because they were hurt, but again, they needed to fill address that offensive line. And then the worst move of all free agency um, is two. I can't, I can't narrow it down to one. Andy Dalton becoming a starting quarterback in the NFL. Worst move. Chicago Bears are they? I think they're trying to tank. They're one year too late on their trying to tra- trying to tank yeah. there because there's no good quarterbacks. Next. I mean, there's probably going to be a good quarterback. There's no there's no Fields. There's no Zach Wilson. There's no Trevor Lawrence next year. But for me, the money Trey Hendrickson from the New Orleans Saints had a career year last year. Thirteen and a half sacks. He was a pass rush specialist. That's all he did. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the line that the New Orleans Saints has defensively that they had last year with Cam Jordan and then uh, Marcus Davenport. So they had guys that would be like your first and second down guys. And then Hendrickson was like, all right, well, I'm the third down guy. And no one paid much attention to him. Got 13 and a half sacks. Great. I'm glad that you got paid. But what I think was going to happen in Cincy, because he got paid, I think it's $80 million in Cincinnati to come in there or 68 million. I can't remember the exact terms I was looking. Again, these are my notes from a couple of weeks ago. And I absolutely, again, I hated it then. I hate it now is that the, the, they don't have anybody. Cincinnati doesn't have any, they lost Carl Lawson. If they, if they had Carl Lawson, they bring him in. I'm like, Oh yeah, I get that move. They don't have anybody on the offense or the defensive line. They brought in Larry Okunjobi, who's okay up the middle, but he's not going to demand attention. So now he's going to be the guy getting double teamed. And Zach, the guy hasn't is not a three down guy. He's only yeah. been a one or two down guy his whole career. He got paid a lot, but man, I just don't like it. I just I I I, I don't like it. I don't know what your thoughts. If you have any thoughts, I on don't that. have any thoughts on that. I don't. It, it, to me, it was terrible. So. The one thing that uh, I did want to bring up, I think you said that was one of the last things you wanted to cover in regards to your uh, free agents is the uh, the lack of desire of anybody who's anybody receiver wise to go to Baltimore. I That's understand crazy. they ended up getting Sammy Watkins. I get that. But does that really matter? Like, I do really care about Sammy Watkins. I just, nobody, nobody wanted to go to Baltimore. And I know Juju came out in an interview either today or yesterday and was like, dude, Baltimore wanted me bad. And I take it with a grain of salt. I get that. But Baltimore wanted a lot of people. Nobody wants to go play with uh, Lamar. I, and you can say that that's not the fact, the case. But listen, if Lamar Jackson, if, if any other top five, top 10 quarterback was recruiting you, had the money to pay a, a top wide receiver, you're going. Yeah. Nobody wants to go to Baltimore. That's crazy to me because it's a good team that has a chance to win a lot of games, but you don't want to yeah. sacrifice a lot of your stats when you can be a, on a really good team. Yeah, I get it. You can just – because you just end up being a very sad Marquise Brown. Very, very sad. <laughs> very, very, very sad Marquise Brown. Although Marquise Brown did drop like 20 catches this year. Trust me. Me and you, you had him in fantasy, and then I ended up getting him in fantasy. Yeah. What a major disappointment. But besides, the, we'll talk a lot of fantasy football on this. I mean, 
gosh, once we get into football, it might be we might be the all fantasy everything kind of. Podcast. There's two things that Matt and I like more than a lot of things, and it's gambling and sport and football. So you mix the two, and it's bad. Oh God, it's so bad. <laughs> I did. I did win. Uh, side note, and we're gonna get into our last and best segment of this show. I did get into some baseball DraftKings, uh, and I've been winning some money, luckily. So. Yeah, I had so I do a ton of NBA DraftKings and I won big whatever that was eight two months ago mm-hmm. and I've done nothing but lose. I kept three hundred and fifty dollars in the account to mm-hmm. play with, and I'm down to my last last sixty bucks. I just keep, I have not won anything more than three dollars in almost two months. That's crazy because you were there was a stretch there where you were doing really well. And, uh, oh, I won over two grand on a three dollar bet. It was fantastic. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that was really cool. I, I have some I have some money still in there, but I'm also uh, racking up the crowns in case when I do get to that zero dollar mark. <laughs> so I can play a lot of quarter games for a yeah. while before I don't have to deposit any more money in. All right, Zach. There's nothing better than when you go to enter like a dollar game and it says, would you like to do this for free with your crowns? You're like, yes, I will. Yeah. That sounds great. I'm saving it for when I get have zero money, though, because then yeah. that way I'm figuring like, all right, well, I have a. I have about a week or so full of crowns that I can use if I need to. Zach, it's time. Da, 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 da. Oh, that was awesome. Every time now, we have, that's how you got to introduce, introduce it. Right. We're to our last segment of the show. It's my favorite part of this show. It's called Rank Em. Rank Em. So we have a couple different ones that we want to be deciding between. And in, in, in memory, uh, rest in the most peace to the college basketball season. We're going to bring it back from the dead because we're going to give you our way too early NCAA basketball top 10. In one final moment. <laughs> I don't know That's awesome. So, Zach, how do you want to start this? Do you want to start from one and go down? Because I think, I don't know, I like – like I like the top five is like boring to me. The right. bottom part to me was a lot more fun. Do you want to start with the top, like the one and go down the we'll 10 go from one to 10, but there's a few things. So this needs to be stated as everyone, as they start to pop up, because these things were popping up at midnight to uh, Monday night. Yeah, but, these were, There was one that was going, that popped up while the game yeah. was still going on. Like, come on. The dude. Way too early is so hard right now because there's so many people in the transfer portal and still so many people that still could declare to go yes. to the draft. So note that everything we're talking about is with people that have declared they're transferring to certain schools already and teams that have players that have not made decisions yet. Yes. So if someone has not said, I'm going into the draft, we're assuming that they are playing on said team. For example, EJ Liddell hasn't made a decision yet, right? So we're assuming he's playing. Yeah, he's just he's testing the waters, and then he'll come back most like Guys, if you're going to take us seriously when we're doing a way too early top 25, then then please we, – we, just don't. Please just don't, okay? Please don't. Gosh. But this is fun. I like doing this because I'm a huge college basketball. And as Zach knows, on top of my – huge NFL draft love a love affair of everything NFL draft I love recruiting I love football recruiting basketball recruiting so this is right up my alley and it's also guessing and you guys can't hold me to a high standard because everyone's guessing right now my number one team in the way too early top 10 college basketball teams I have Gonzaga still there now again there's some guys on there like Timmy who hasn't decided what he's doing yet a guy that has said that he could be going into the NBA draft process but even if he goes, 
They have the number one player in the country coming from them, uh, coming in this year, Chet Holgram. The guy's seven foot. He's skilled seven footer too. He's going to be a dominant force for them next year. I know they're going to lose guys like Suggs. I know that they're losing a lot, but they they have a lot already as a core that will be back next year. And if Timmy comes back with Chet coming in and the guard play that they'll have, I think that Gonzaga is going to be right back. Maybe not undefeated, but they're going to be right back in the mix for winning a national title next year. And they have a chance of being the number one team heading into next year too. So that that's my number one team. Thumbs up. I'm with you, actually. Okay. Okay. Number two for me is, I don't know, did you have anything to add about Gonzaga before we move on? No? Okay. Everything you said, I agree. Who's your number two team then? Because then I'll let you go here. Never wouldn't have said this a month ago, but my number two is UCLA. UCLA? All right. Talk about UCLA with me, man. What's that? Talk about UCLA. Why why do you have a number two? Listen, there's a lot of these that I probably looked at about six or seven of other people's way too earlys and based off of looking at what the rosters look like. And I just think if I, if I understand correctly, they're going to return just about every single player that absolutely just had an amazing tournament. Yes. They were, it's not like they were bad before. I mean, they had their, they had a huge run before they even got to the tournament and they really turned it on. I, I just think that with the roster that they have, that they're at least somewhere in that top five, and I just fell on two. I have them as six, and I think it all depends. Okay. So they had no senior um, contribution to this team last year. No, not one senior-led contribution. But there are some rumors that Johnny Juzang is going to put his name out there, and he's might be tempted to test and see if he goes to the NBA. If Johnny Juzang goes to the NBA, this team is not a top 10, 20 team in the Rolling country. With what, what they got right now. All yeah. of this is about what they have now. But they also have two top 50 recruits coming in this year. Mick Cronin's doing it again. They didn't have a chance to recruit a lot of guys because they have a lot of youth on this team. So, yeah, so I have them as number six on mine. I have some team. I have just have some other teams there. My number two is Michigan. So Michigan is – they are losing a lot. They're losing Smith, Livers, and Brooks. And I, I know that that's a lot of contribution there. But they have the number one recruiting class in the country coming in. They have Are a lot. Are losing Brooks? Eli Brooks, yeah. Okay. That's what I read earlier, so like I could be wrong. He, he, you know, he could be coming back. There are some guys that have that ability to come back, even if they are seniors, because they have that free year of eligibility that everyone can use this year. So I, they have the number one recruiting class, and they've got Hunter Dickinson coming back. If Wagner, Wagner, because he has a chance of being a mid to first round pick. If he comes back, they're one, they're solid number two, maybe even number one. I'm assuming that he's leaving because he is a mid round first pick on everyone's board. So I have them at number two. And that's if Dickerson decides that he doesn't want to go. I don't think he should go to the draft. I don't think he's ready, but that's something right there. So that's my number two. My number three team is Kansas. Now, a lot of people are going to sit there and go like, Kansas, ugh, no. This team was playing the best basketball in the country before they hit that COVID outbreak when they got into the Big 12 tournament. Mm -hmm. They're not losing a lot. They're they're returning most of their players. I just think the way that they ended up, and it's Kansas. They got good players coming in. It's a revolving door. I, I don't like every anything else going on at Kansas. I hate their coach. I hate their or I hate the whole the whole the whole school of all the controversy they had. But as a basketball team, they're gonna be good next year. And if there's going to allow fans in, they have the, one of the best home courts in basketball, which a lot of these guys that are young maybe haven't had that opportunity to get their 
to get broken into it last year with no, not a lot of fans going on. So this team is going to have a good home court advantage. I think that Kansas is going to have a big year. That's why I have him at three. Who's your three? So I would say also I have Kansas at six. Okay. Uh, so I won't say much about them because I agree with you mostly there. Uh, my three is Michigan. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, as of right now, I think that they are definitely a top five team I mean you hit them with most of the players that are returning or potentially could not I agree if if Wagner returns they're obviously a top three top four team if he doesn't they're still a top five top ten yeah I mean Dickinson is probably going to push for player of the year so yeah he's going to be like he reminds me a lot of the former Michigan player Mitch McGarry a guy that's just a dominant freshman lefty post guy kind of reminds you exactly kind of like a guy that you look at as a little douchey too yeah I know I said it. I, I don't hate care. Dickinson. I, I hate him, but I also want to point out he's known. He had a few games where he just disappeared. And if he can fix that, because you can't, I mean, if you're an elite guy, you can't disappear. It, yeah. it doesn't exist. So if he can fix that and be consistent, I think he has player of the year potential and that would keep them in the top five to 10 conversation. Number four, Zach. Alabama. Love oh, Alabama. I agree. I, I agree. Oh, okay. Love Alabama. Definitely. Shooting shooters are us just shoot the damn ball. I mean, I, I just love the team that they had this year and what they're bringing back. And I think that they uh, have the potential to not only win, win the sec again, but uh, make a final four run. Yeah. Uh, I, I think if Quinterly and Shackle, Shackleford can uh, play like they did at the end of the season, as they did this year, they are going to roll through the sec. You get what you get what I well, did there. To roll through the SEC because my number five, Arkansas, is going to play. So I had Arkansas in my fifteen to twenty range until I found out yesterday that Chris Likes was transferring, and I think that Chris Likes coming from Miami takes them to another level as, with their guard play. They did That's- lose a lot though. They did lose a lot. I don't have them as my. They're not in my top ten. They're in my top fifteen. Uh, I have Purdue as my fifth best team. And the reason why, and I didn't want to put them there because I was just sitting there going like, what's this hype around Purdue? They didn't lose anybody really, man. They, they, and, and they're bringing back Jaden Ivy, who's going to be a sophomore who was a fantastic freshman already with both their big men there. And, and, and you already know what's going to happen. They've already, they've already groomed some young kids and they're going to be, they're going to be able to contribute. Purdue is a team that's going to be really good next year with what they're bringing back. And that's who I have at five. I don't have to worry about who we have at six. Cause we already talked about that. So yep. who's your number seventh team, seven team uh, on your Baylor. list? Huh? Baylor. Baylor gang. Yeah. I had, I struggled to put them. I had them as 11. Okay. I had them at 11. So they lost a lot, but they're bringing in a five-star point guard. To me, when you lose that dynamic backcourt that they lost, they're going to go through some growing pains early. We'll see with them, but I still think yeah. they're going to be a really, they're not going to fall off the face of the earth. Who's your seven? Ohio State. I'm okay. not going to talk a ton about them. I already talked a bunch. It, and a lot of it has to do with Kyle Young. He may come back because he has that extra year. Even if he doesn't, they have uh, Jamari Wheeler, who they got from Penn State, that's going to take over for what C.J. Walker provided you last year. And then you have Mr. Ohio Basketball, uh, Malachi Brogham coming in, the most hyper recruit out of the Northeast Ohio area since LeBron James. So I, And I think that they have already have a lot in there with Michi Johnson, Zed Key, EJ Liddell, Dwayne Washington. The team is going to be stacked. They don't have that. I think I hope that Malachi Brogham becomes that 
that go-to guy, that it guy that can get a bucket when things aren't going as well because he's a small forward, a wing guy. And Dwayne Washington kind of relies on his shooting. EJ Liddell relies on his post game. If he can be a guy that can go get it, I'll love it even more. And I think the Buckeyes are going to be very dangerous if that's the case. If not, they're going to be a team that's competing around that top 10, 15, but they could be a top five team if they have that things come up. So that's my number seven. Who's your number eight, Zach? Eight, I had Purdue. Purdue? Okay. And is there anything you need to add about Purdue? No, I just, once you realize what they have returning. Ridiculous. Everything. It's, yeah, I mean, I would say a lot of these teams can be interchangeable between one and 15, but until everything's set in stone with the roster. Mm -hmm. But when you return everything from the team that was decent this year, I mean, it's hard to argue. Yeah. And I have eight as Florida state. I know they're losing Scotty Barnes. He's going to be a lottery pick for Florida state, but I feel like they've done this for the last six years. They've had a lottery pick and they've replaced them. They have three top 60 recruits coming in. Leonard Skinner has Leonard Skinner got, He's out there coaching like crazy. You know what I'm talking about. They they know Leonard Skinner. He um they're out there. Florida Florida State's out there doing what they're doing. They're they're just replacing. The, the, it's the next guy up. Jonathan Isaac was that way. They had it now with Scotty Barnes. They're gonna have someone that's gonna step up. I like the culture they have in place. They're athletic, always athletic. They did that. They didn't live up to the expectations this year, but they're gonna be a top ten team because they are flat out good and they're getting better with these recruiting classes each year. They're becoming a top program in college basketball at florida state at 12 12 okay and then who do you have at nine because i have someone surprising at nine ohio state is there anything you want to add about ohio state no you hit it okay i have kentucky at nine and i know a lot of people are gonna be like oh look at them they were this that and the other last year when you have the amount of freshmen that you have coming in and these teams consistently with no practice schedule of course it's gonna go like that kentucky Mm -hmm. is literally literally ruining themselves of last year's recruiting class. Either all those guys are transferring out or they're going to the draft. They're bringing in a bunch more recruits. They have a lot of guys that are coming back that played a lot last year too. So this could be a weird Kentucky team. They're going to be a team that's going to not only um, be good because they have young, but also because of the, uh, the, the old talent they have in there. And finally, I have Maryland at 10. I don't know where you have Maryland. You have Maryland. Oh boy. Talk about uh, Maryland. I have them at 10. Quick. Huh? I have them at 10 as well. Um, And if we had this conversation a week ago, I'd say they would probably be pushing top 25 uh, because you can't deny if if they return Ayala and Wiggins, I mean, they're going to be top notch guards, but Mm -hmm. with getting Fats Russell, who is the first is the point true point guard that Mark Turgeon needs. And then uh, I think if I pronounce this correctly, Wahab out of Georgetown, who was a, top three transfer option. I know. I wanted them so bad. Everything that Turgeon couldn't get for this year, he got for next year. They needed a big man to participate in the Big Ten, and they needed a true point guard. So if you tell me that Wiggins and Ayala stay, which is the hope, Mm -hmm. and you're going to give me a starting five of Fats Russell, Eric Ayala, Aaron Wiggins, Dante Scott, and Wahab, I mean – they're, it's a, it's an elite top five, yeah. and, and they're going to have probably more depth than they did this year. They, I mean, in a matter of two days, Mark Turgeon went from on the hot seat to all right. Extension. It's here's your contract extension, and you just brought in two major transfers. So I'm with you. I got them at ten as well. Yep. That uh, yeah. And so I, I'm really excited. Uh, it is way too early to even hold us accountable for all this, but I just love doing rank them. 
and I love doing what we do there. And uh, if you have any disagreements or any thoughts on that, hit us up in the, the Facebook chat. Zach, I think that's a we've had a very healthy episode today. I, yeah. I think we've talked a lot, a lot of different stuff. Basketball, college basketball is done. We're going to start talking a lot more NFL. We're going to have a couple special guests here in the next coming uh, coming weeks talking some NFL draft as well. And I'm going to say my last note that I'm going to end on is speaking of Maryland and next year, I can't wait to actively yell at my TV every other night during basketball season. Let's go facts. Things that I never (laughs) thought I'd say. That's so awesome, man. So, yeah, I I think this is, again, a very healthy time to end the episode. Zach, thank you so much. Down in Lancaster, Ohio, it's hotter than heck everywhere in every room, so we appreciate you coming in. I appreciate we, like we. I appreciate it. Uh, again, guys, if, if you guys have any questions, thoughts, comments, concerns, hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're everywhere. Thanks you for wanna, listening. If you want to talk some Falcon and the Winter Soldier this weekend, hit us up. Hit, hit us, us up, man. So, guys, again, thank you so much for listening this week. Uh, we'll be back with you next week. We're going to start doing this weekly again. Again, if you haven't heard, my Indians, my Cleveland Indians um, pre preseason what was it uh, preseason show i guess uh, i wanted I, I talked a lot about the Cleveland indians last week if you like the indians get over there and listen to it again from uh Columbus, ohio i'm matt from lancaster ohio he's zach yes sir. have a good rest of your day guys peace <laughs>